couple of preachers went to a Bible conference several years ago, and I recall the conversation that took place between them as one preacher got up to preach, and he said, God just laid it on my heart to just really tear into you so the Holy Spirit can just convict the fire out of you today. And one preacher leaned over to the other and said, I don't know about you, but I came to be encouraged. God had a different thought for my heart. And I think about that more these days, how much God's people need encouragement. Uh, we, we fail at that a lot of times with going to that in God's word. Um, and we'd like to brush it off as not our fault by maybe our upbringing in the Lord. And most messages were fire and brimstone and things of that nature. But God's people really need encouragement more than ever before. I, I know I do. And so we're going to find that in this 18th Psalm tonight. When I teach a psalm, I usually like to teach the entire division. But when you want to really focus on a few points and elaborate on some things, it, there's just no time to get through it all. So therefore, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. I'll title this something that David says right there in the middle of verse 2. And that is my God. David has been running and running from Saul in the past. He was innocent. He was chosen by God to be king. Yet Saul did everything he could to stop that from happening. And David went through some tough times. But now he has been made king and given victory over nations. And he's looking back. And he's thankful for all that God had done for him. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. My strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. On January the 10th, 2003, a man named Terry Dwyer had his boat capsized out to sea. It completely flipped over. He was separated from it. And here he is out in the water. And I guess he grabbed on to whatever he could from time to time. He treaded a lot of water. You could imagine him conserving his energy as much as he could. As he was out in that water for 20 hours. And if you're wondering what he's thinking, he did live through it. And he said, through the entire 20 hours, from the moment that my boat turned over, out in the middle of the sea, I believed I was going to die the whole time. I was struggling. I was putting forth as much effort as I could, he said, to keep my head above water, to try to stay alive. But the whole time, I thought I was going to die. After 20 hours, a helicopter went by and spotted him. And there was a ship that was headed to the Persian Gulf out to battle. And that helicopter communicated with that battleship. 
And they paused from their mission of heading into battle to stop and pick up Terry. And of course, being a battleship, there was a doctor on the ship and nourished him and nursed him back to good health. And he had victory there where he thought he was just going to die and he wasn't going to survive. And Christians are treading water in difficulties today maybe unlike any other time, definitely different difficulties and added difficulties in this day and time. And we're encouraged tonight not to throw in the towel, to never feel like all is lost because we have a God who is a deliverer. And he is always at battle. And he is always passing by looking to rescue you and I to encourage us and to take us through our battles of life. And Paul uh, and David is able to expound on this unlike ever before maybe after this time where he has been hunted by Saul, he has hibernated, if you will, out in the wilderness. The heaviness of his trials were definitely more than he can bear. You think of so many Psalms where you know that's the case, that Saul is after him. And he says, how long, O Lord? And there are many times that David sounds like he is in such despair, but God delivered him From all of those things. God made David king of Israel. Where David saw everything coming against him. And couldn't see that happening. With nations that were opposing David. God gave him victory over those nations. And what we have here tonight is a song that David is singing. It is a song of praise to God. And what we find David doing after such a hard struggle, after everything he had gone through, we find in this song worship. David is worshiping. He's not only worshiping and talking to God in the first verse, but in the second verse, he is witnessing and he is giving praise to is God. And we also see in the third verse that his way of response, his way of response and all of his experience with God, we're going to see that David loves his Lord. David has faith in his Lord and David continues to hope in the Lord. He has a very grateful heart. After all he's been through, it seems like there's a common mentality sometimes that that the Christian can fall into the rut of of just saying, God, get me out of this. Well, well, why? I was told to pray and make requests with the thought of God saying, well, what's in it for me? Why be delivered? What do you want me to deliver you from and for? David turns back and he thanks God. He gives glory to God. He thanks him for what he has done. He has graciously delivered him from his ongoing trials that he had. He is very thankful to the Lord for what God 
has done, but there's, there's, there's something else I got hung up on. And, and when I taught this at the villas maybe seven years ago, a totally different message, I went right over this. But he's thankful for all that God has done. But maybe something better he's thankful for. There may be something that is above that in exalting God. And that is not only what God has done, but him seeing by experience who his God is. Is he is everything that he does for us. God loves us, but God is love. Think of God for who he is. He is all of these things that bring such blessing to our lives. And who God was to David is who God is to us today. I want, I want us to think about that as we share this portion of word tonight. It's my prayer that we believe tonight that who God is to David, He is to us as well. He is a mighty deliverer. He is everything that David says He is, then with Him and for us today. So in this God-glorifying response, in a song of praise that David leads in singing, we first see David declares strong affection. Notice the first verse, the, the beginning of this song that he's singing. And he says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. When you run across the word love in the Bible and you look it up, there are several different meanings of the word love. And, and as we look into the original language here, we see that this word love is related to a word that means womb. Many have said the greatest love human to human would be a mother to the child of her womb. That's a great love. But as we consider another love, and that's you and I to God, our love for God should surpass that. Because it's not human to human, it's, it's love from us to God. He has saved us and shed abroad His love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, and we can love him in return. David is not just expressing a casual thought of love. If I ask tonight who loves the Lord, go ahead and say it. I, you know, we could raise our hands and say, yes, I do. I love the Lord. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But just emphasizing what's going on here, there is something from the great depths of David in his experience with God in, in, in a very sincere, a very serious expression in words uh, that words can't really say, indicating a, a, a closeness, a, a nearness to God walking with God and by his experience, a great love for him. He is clinging closely to his Lord. And it's a great expression on the part of David on how much he loves the Lord. He's leading the singing of this song. And he begins with these first words, I love you, Lord, as he's leading others to come along. You know, time spent with the Lord, experience with Him through our ups and downs, through all of our trials, and seeing who He is, Him growing us in faith, it, it just creates 
such a close, loving relationship. When we walk through with through things with him, as David did with his God. He has great love for him, and and love moves us into obedience and service to the Lord. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And, And David is showing a great depth of love with his Lord. He's declaring the deepest of the three loves that Jesus said to Peter when Jesus said, do you love me? He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And those loves were all different. And there was a very deep love that was mentioned there. And this is a very deep love that David is talking about when he tells the Lord, I love thee. So David declares strong affection. But where we're going to be for a while is David declaring sufficient attributes to the people as he talks about his God after such a long tenure of experience in the wilderness and on the run, if you will. He he declares sufficient attributes or simply he's describing how complete his God is by way of his characters and his qualities. Charles Spurgeon says of these names of God, he calls them the excellences of Jehovah. And we see several of them here. David uses several names as he's bursting forth in song to give praise and adoration with a grateful heart to God, naming all the ways that God had been so sufficient for him through all of his struggles. And the first thing he says is, the Lord is my rock. When every happening around David seemed to be so uncertain, so unstable, and so unpredictable, God was his never-changing rock. Things were ever-changing around David, but his God was never-changing. And ultimately, David knew that. He had times of despair, but he had times he was lifted up by, by saying the word of God to his God in the Psalms and being exalted Uh, In his God, his God is strong and his God was dependable through all that he experienced. This name rock, it speaks of a very fixed place like the the rock on on a mountainside that has a cleft in it. We sing of the cleft of the rock and we're saying that that is our Lord. And that's really where David was. It seems as though he was running and running and full of anxiety when he looks back now and the whole time he was really in the cleft of the rock. His Lord Jesus took care of him. Though he felt He was in such danger, and in one sense he was, in another sense he was very stable because the Lord, his rock, was with him. The stability of what God provides for us by way of him being our rock is not affected 
by what surrounds you and I. Don't get me wrong, environments and atmospheres will have some effect on us, but that's not because God becomes weaker in those moments or in those situations of our lives. He is greater than all, and greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You might think of Hannah when Hannah asked the Lord for a child, and she said she would give him back to the Lord if the Lord would give her a child. And the Lord did. And when she gave her child back to the Lord, and by the way, the way you did that was by giving your child to the priest. And that's what she had to do. And that priest with two wicked sons, there she is having to give her child, Samuel, that God gave her back to God by way of the priest and thinking about the environment that he was going to be in, she had to consider and she had to believe that God was greater than his environment. God was greater than the atmosphere that he was going to be in. God really wants to shine the most and show his strength in many ways in the hardest of circumstances that we go through. And as Hannah prayed and Hannah talked to the Lord, she said, you are my rock. There is no other rock like you. There is, uh, neither is there any rock like our God, is what she says. We sing in here, there is no rock like our God. And, uh, you know, maybe that's where that comes from. And she's using a slightly different word for rock here. But let's understand the stability that we have in the Lord by way of him being our rock. He is stable and God has proven himself to be greater than all of David's circumstances that he went through. By the way, Hannah had a barren womb and God gave her a child in the womb. He is greater than all of our circumstances we go through. God is strong and he is very dependable at all times. He's not only our rock, he's our fortress. And that speaks of a stronghold. And it speaks of a very secure place for you and I to abide. This world doesn't always provide that, amen? But that's what God is. He is a very secure place for you and I. In a very privileged city, the ultimate fortress would have reinforced walls around it. And it would have great high towers, high watchtowers on each side of the gate. And it would be a very, known as a very strong city with much security. People are seeking security in secular things today. And they're running to them and none of them are worth running to. None of them are guaranteed. But our God is guaranteed as our fortress that we might go to in time of need. You, the people of this world that are running to secular things, they need something higher. They need something greater than that of this world, than anything you can find in this world. And at the end of the verse, one of the things he says, I'll go ahead and pull it up right now. He says, the Lord is my high tower. When a city had a high tower, it could see with a benefit what was approaching from much farther away. 
and, and, and know the enemy that was coming. And David, not knowing what was before him or what was behind him while he was on the run, he says, the Lord was my high tower. And he is and shall be my high tower. He's the ultimate fortress who can protect us from our attacks in life. So when we are attacked, because they will come our way, we know that he knows about it. We know that it has passed his hand. We know that he's using it for some reason. And he has allowed us to be attacked in some way. David says he's my fortress. He says the Lord is my deliverer. Deliverer is a name of our Lord. David liked to use that name. He used it more than once. The Lord is my deliverer. He uses it here. He uses it in the 40th Psalm and the 17th verse when he says, Thou art my help and my deliverer. In 2 Samuel 22, 2, he says, The Lord is my deliverer. He liked that name. We should call upon the Lord by that name. Because don't you know that often we need to be delivered. We desire to be delivered from a circumstance. It's, we will try on our own probably. If you're like me, you'll, you will try to get out of your circumstance on your own. And once we've exhausted all of our resources, we'll look and say, Lord, you are my deliverer. If this is going to happen, you're going to do it. Why not just go straight there and we go to call on God in time of need that we call him by and address him by the deliverer that he is. David, in his very anxious events of life, or those things that would cause anxiousness, when he calls the Lord, his deliverer, he's thinking of the way of escape that only God can give. The only hope that he could have in his time of need, he is addressing him in that specific way by, to his God as his deliverer. God delivered David from the lion. He delivered him from the bear. He delivered him from Goliath. And most recently, he here in the text, he has delivered him from the ongoing onslaught and pursuit of Saul upon his life. He is David's deliverer. When he doesn't see deliverance, he still believes that God's his deliverer. You call upon God as your deliverer, and when He doesn't deliver you, look, He's still your deliverer, because now His grace is sufficient for, for thee if He doesn't deliver you. And later, He is going to ultimately deliver us from all sin, from, from all illness, from all the flesh, from all that we have in our lives that bind us here, the illnesses, the enemies of life, He's going to deliver you and I. He's deliverer even when He doesn't deliver. Because of His grace and because of a glorious, sure home in heaven that we have. And then He says, which I thought might be at the end of this, He stops and He says what I've titled this, My God. 
And he's not using the Lord's name in vain. Some people say, my God. And the last thing on their mind is their creator and their father. But David has his mind on the Lord. And he says, my God. I say this should be at the end. Because all of these names that we have here of God. This binds them all together. He's, he's a fortress. He's, he's a buckler. We're going to see he's the horn of our salvation. But all of these names are just bound together and summed up well in my God. The idea of him calling out and saying my God is in the area of God taking vengeance. David didn't avenge himself. David was actually standing over Saul and he could have taken Saul's life and he didn't do it. And away from Saul, Saul knew what he was going, what he could have done, but he didn't do. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so he says, my God. And he's, he's thinking within this, the vengeance of his God. He gets revenge a lot better than we do. And he does it righteously. And he does it for good. He calls the Lord my strength. This is the second time he calls him my strength. In the first stanza of this song, if you will, in verse 1, it ends with, he's my strength. And now we see him saying the second time, he's my strength. I'm sure you have listened to people say before that church is for weak people. I've had it directly said to me so many times among many co-workers I've had through the years, church is for weak people. You know, I, I kind of wanted to fight the first time someone said that. But after I heard that a while, and after I had more experience with my God, and I learned where strength really comes from, it, it phased me so much less. It was so much easier to blow off. After we realized that there's really only strength for the human being that comes from God. There is a deceived strength, which is no strength at all, but there is divine strength. And everyone needs the divine strength of the Lord and praise God for the children of God that can call on him and call God my strength in time of weakness in time of hurt in time of sorrow and in instability God is my strength can you say tonight that he is your strength yes we are all a weak people but God is our strength David includes it in two choruses here and and he wants to sing of it. He wants to sing of the strength of the Lord to let everyone know. Everyone he was singing to knew his testimony, knew what he had been through. And God was faithful to be strong. And he's not the first one who sang a song of the Lord's strength. Moses had a song in Exodus that was sung about the Lord's strength. Because you see, there was the plagues that were brought upon Pharaoh. There was the pressure upon Pharaoh to bow down and to, to worship the Lord. And then there was the parting of the waters. And then there was the song of praise for the power of God. You consider in your time of, of weakness and the struggle that you go through, you consider the power of God. Sing of the power of God. That's what we see and that's what we've had here. 
David trusts in the power of God. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Let me say this to you and I tonight. Let us quit losing our battles that there is victory in. Because we can trust the Lord our strength. We can trust the Lord our fortress. The one that is there in time of need. The Lord is our rock. More personal, He's my rock. He's your rock. You can say that the Lord is my rock. And there should be more victories in our battles. Consider who He is. Have faith in these excellences of the Lord. He is our strength. He is our buckler. Man, I was just saved and I kept hearing this word buckler. And I had no idea what it meant. And anytime a preacher mentioned the word or a Sunday school teacher said something about the word, they didn't say what it is. And I was wondering what it is to say that the Lord is my buckler. Well, this buckler was a small shield and it wasn't held. It was fastened to the arm. And so for the attack of sword and the attack of spear, it was meant to soften the blow, to hinder the blow that would come against the, the soldier. And you and I, we're in a different attack these days. The Lord is our shield in a different way. But if by way of a buckler, a buckler does not deter the enemy. The buckler is meant to take you through the attack of the enemy. And, and so we're affected less and less. Yes, things hurt. Yes, we go through things and we get star, scars, but things could have been a lot worse. Cuts could have gone a lot deeper. And the more we mature and the more we grow in the things of God, things are going to affect us less. The attack is constantly going to be there. And God doesn't always want us down with our head in the sand. He wants to be able to toughen up in maturity in Him and, and grow and take the blows and to be able to continue on with Him. He is our buckler, not as protection from the attacks, but protection through the attacks. He helps us get, get through them. He lets us get hurt to the point that it'll do us some good, but we don't get taken out by these things. The Lord is our buckler. The Lord is, David says, is the horn of my salvation this is all about a praise of the power of the Lord. Horn means strength. Horn means to be strong. Maybe David was looking at this, at this certain goat that was there in that day and time. And that goat's called by many names. I don't, and a short name is I-B-E-X. I don't know if that's the Ebex goat or the Ibex goat. Whatever it is, it was a goat with these ridiculously long horns. And when the enemy would come upon him, he would raise up with those horns in a prideful, very arrogant way, showing his strength. There were governors of provinces and they would have these headdresses on and they would have a horn right in the middle of that to signify their position and their status in a place of power that they had. And David says, the Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is the strength 
of salvation. You and I do not give strength to our salvation. That is of the Lord. The salvation is the Lord's. Before we're saved and we say we have salvation, He gave it to us and it's still His. And all the power of salvation comes from Him. And David knows this here. He knows this, that God is glorified in the complete strength that He is of our salvation. We do not add anything to our salvation. It is, it is strong, it is secure, and it is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of us. The, the child of God that's here tonight and the will of God who loves the Lord, who's witnessing to everyone that they see, their, their salvation is no stronger than that backslidden Christian out there weeping in their sin that we need to go rescue and see restored back to the things of God. You understand the power is of Him, not us. The Lord is the power and strength of our salvation. And He's the one who... By his horn, by his strength, pushes down that enemy and gives us victory to exalt and triumph over them. And we could sum up all of this and all of these names with look what the Lord gives us. We could do that, but there's a better way. There's something better and more personal that we see here that we can say. Because notice what David says here. I'm going to read it again. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. The Lord is, you get it, my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my buckler. The Lord is the horn of my salvation and my high tower. He is the excellences that he gives us everything he does and that he gives us in our life. That's what he is. He is the stability. He is the power for our lives. He is the protection for our lives. That's not only what he does. It's what our God is. And, you know, it's first about embracing God. And then it's about exercising his attributes this is what David sees here. He's embracing all that God is and anything that was done was who God is through him and helping him. And that leads us to a last point and a short point because David has declared strong affection. David has declared sufficient attributes. David declares sure appropriation Verse 3, just the beginning of the verse. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So here in the present, David has a future plan of calling upon the Lord because of the Lord's past faithfulness in his life. Oh, let us look back. Just glance back. We're to, we're to be moving forward. That's what sheep do. A definition of that word sheep is moving forward. But every now and then we need to glance back at what God has done for us. And, and you might be like me. 
You might find yourself struggling with something before you, with, with doubt trying to, to sink in. When I look back and God has delivered me from something so much greater, so much more powerful than what I'm stumbling over in the present. What he has done for us once, he can do for us again. David is appropriating. All is not lost. That wild goose chase from Saul, that's not what it was. It wasn't just wasted time So before he got into his kingship. That wasn't what it was. Jesus is not about waste. He doesn't waste anything. You think about the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 plus, And then he had the disciples to gather the fragments of the bread and the fish. Jesus doesn't like to waste is what I thought when I saw that. And he does not waste anything that we go through it is very valuable we might be on the mountaintop or we might be tried by the fire but when we're tried by the fire God's going to use it for something good he's going to burn off that dross and he's going to make us worth something he is going to make something more out of us for his glory than we are right now may we appropriate the Lord and call upon him in all of these times Because what David has absorbed in ultimately a God-given victory is that he can have confidence in time of trouble instead of panic and anxiety setting in when trouble comes. You know, this is enough to turn a doubting saint into a singing saint. We ought to sing praises to the Lord just like Paul and Silas when here they are locked up in prison. Sing praises to the Lord and watch the great things that the Lord does in the midst of it. Let us recollect the fulfilling of these names in our lives. Can you say my rock, my fortress and and just point out. In your heart and mind, in your experience, when God has been those things in your life. My God, the horn of my salvation. Recollect those things. You know, mercy enjoyed in the past and from the past that we carry in the present is going to connect with the mercy that we need in our time of need. As David has this mind and this grateful heart and he is overwhelmed with the power of God. How much better is he going to be able to go into a next trial? Knowing that his God is almighty and all powerful. We need that. I know we enter into new trials all the time and... I'm never going to say that there's not initial concern. Obviously, that's that's going to come our way. But our same unchanging God will cause ultimate confidence in us. If we are thinking upon him, let us declare a sure appropriation of who our God is tonight, who he's been in our lives, connect what he has done Connect his names 
with his power in your life. In the instances in your life. He has already proven himself to us. He has proven himself to David. And David knew the power of his God. And he has proven himself to you and I. We just need to think on those things. That he has done for us. If he did it once. He'll do it again. And if he did it for one. He'll do it for another. Ask Joshua. Ask Joshua if God didn't make it clear that he would do for him what he had done for Moses. What God has done for any of his children, if it's his will, he'll do it for you. He is completely able. There is nothing that's handicapping him. There is no hindrance in our God today. He's the same God today as the God who was the fortress of David then. And as we close... And as I consider the the personal aspect of this, when David says, my God, who is he to you? Is there anyone listening online tonight or anyone here tonight? And he's just God. He's just this creator God. Or is he your God? Can you say he's my God? And if you say he's your God, if you can say, yes, he is my God, how is he your God? Because many people will tell of many ways, but there is one way that God becomes your God. And that is through his son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross, who made the way. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And he is the way to God being your God, the one true and living God. So I pray that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior tonight. And that you can say, yes, God is my God. But as the Christian considers tonight, is he this strength? And is he this power in your heart and mind? You're just... On the edge of your seat, if you will, knowing and overwhelmed with the power of your God. He's your rock. He's your stability in your time of trouble. He is your fortress. He is the horn of your salvation. Sing praise to God because he's mighty and he's powerful and he is your strength. And in whatever instability you might be going through, will you appropriate it the way David did? He said, I will call upon the Lord my God. Someone may need to do that tonight. Maybe it's time. We're going to have a moment of silence, as a matter of fact, before we close in prayer and give you time to consider something you need to call on your God for that maybe you haven't. Or maybe you have, and it's just something that needs to continue right here, right now in this moment. I'm going to ask that, that in just a minute, Brother Tim Stone, if in just a minute you would, you would start, start us in prayer and close this service. But let us bow our head at a moment that we might just consider the power of our God. He's greater. He's greater than all of these things and all of our circumstances.
thing in life that they could ever know, Father, and that is you. We give you praise. 